Season 4 of the Tommy and Adam Partying Podcast. Starring El Gran Tommy Martinez. And featuring Adam Tate. Brought to you by Datacoba Promotions. Coming to you from Datacoba Promotions Studio One. And featuring Datacoba Promotions Studio Equipment. And now, buckle up for the Tommy and Adam Hard to Name Podcast. Welcome and welcome to the Tommy and Adam Hard to Name Podcast, season number four, episode number 12. Actually, it's the Tommy and still without Adam Hard to Name Podcast. I'm going to start introducing the podcast that way until Adam gets back, if he ever makes it back. That way on the intro, when I actually introduce it the standard way, you will know immediately you will hear the voice of Mr. Adam Tate. Nonetheless, doing this podcast on behalf of both my friend and podcast partner, Mr. Adam Tate, I am El Gran Tommy Martinez at your service. And by that, I'm just being pleasant because if it involves money or time on my part, I'm not going to serve shit (laughs) other than this great podcast. It's just a platitude. And in case you forgot, I am ready to deliver yet another great episode of this podcast available on Spotify, Apple Podcast app, RSS Podcast, and many of your other great and favorite DSPs. Now, what does that mean to you? That means you can just go ahead and Google the timing that I'm hard to name podcast, and you will see that it'll be played in all these different platforms, and you can always pick your favorite. We like to mention Spotify and Apple Podcasts because those are the biggies. We just returned from Boston, Massachusetts, where we were seeing my daughter and my grandson and my son-in-law and the whole family. It was a great time. Got to see and spend some time with my cousin, Mookie. That was a bonus. My cousin, Mookie, is the closest thing to a blood brother that I have. His wife, Iris, who we all love so much here at Casa de Martinez. Now, my cousin Mookie and my cousin Johnny, we were part of the uh, Metal Priests. I'm sure you've heard that story a few times on our podcast. So mentally, I'm well-rested. I'm ready to get back into it. At least the podcast, not the <laughs> not the regular BS that I go through on a daily basis, even though it's not really that bad. Yeah, Boston. Hmm. What a, that was a great town, I think. It was my first time there, actually visiting the city and the area. Very nice. Hung out at downtown Boston a few days. That uh, was very chill. Got to see the Boston Harbor, some historical sites and things that I like. Boston being a great sports town as well, having their Celtics in the playoffs. Baseball-wise, the Cardinals were in town the day that I left. So when I planned this trip with my wife, I failed to look at the calendar to see who was going to be playing there in Boston, or else I would have stayed an extra day. I also uh, looked at what shows were going to be coming through town just in case. You know, major city usually has major shows. The only thing that caught my eye was Sticks. They were playing downtown, some venue. I uh, wasn't too interested, so I passed on that one. P- 
But wow, you know, I was also looking at how expensive shows have become. Inflation has come to town when it comes to rock shows as well. No surprise, that's how economics works. Guns N' Roses, Aerosmith, Kiss, Metallica as well. All these tours, all these shows that are playing this summer into the late fall. These tickets are, woo, they're way up there. I was talking not too long ago about having to go and see maybe shows at smaller venues, maybe tribute bands. Because number one, a lot of these shows, they're under the, the gun for playing tracks and the rest. So I don't know if you're going to get your money's worth. Given that Adam was, <laughs> and I'm going to use past tense on this one, my podcast partner. Uh, he's also my concert going buddy. That permission may have been revoked as well. So the chances of uh, me going to see any major acts, I don't know. Without Adam, uh, it's kind of difficult for me. Mommy? Mommy? Please, 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 please. Figure it out. Mommy? Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, I just have to take these jabs. It's my only vengeance for having to do this damn podcast by myself. <laughs> anyway, moving on. In the past couple of weeks, the rock news has blown up. The Fools have finally announced their new drummer. They have a new single out coming up on their new record. Oh, wow, that's exciting. Uh, we have something a little bit later on that. Also, uh, Tina Turner passed away here a couple of days ago. That was huge in the rock news. Also, this AI thing has been all over the news and artificial intelligence. <laughs> I bet you that's better than a lot of intelligence that's going on here. Some artists speaking out about that. <laughs> In the political world, Ron DeSantis, I think this is his first name, Ron, I'm not sure. Finally and officially announcing his candidacy, oh, the Republican presidential slot for the upcoming oh, and dreaded 2024 elections here in the States. Uh, decided to challenge the Trumpster. Well, you know, everybody has a dream. I mean, the odds of Donald Trump ever becoming president were pretty slim. Who knows? Maybe this guy can beat him. The good thing about that is finally we'll have some funny stuff in the news about that as, <laughs> as they tear into each other. I'm, I'm sure it'll produce some very funny sound bites here and there. At a minimum, it'll produce some good memes or memes, as I call them. Don't know what's bringing on the Democrat side. I don't know if they shelved uh, <laughs> Joe Biden yet. <laughs> Let's be honest. That's been a disaster. They're partly responsible for this increase in ticket prices to go see these shows. And personally, at this point, doesn't matter who the hell wins the presidential elections coming up. There's very little faith that anyone can fix this freaking mess. Well, at least that's the thinking <laughs> of us who have uh, common sense and critical thinking skills. Not the fanatics. They already, they already have their candidates. And speaking of messes, how about we start our own mess with some jazz? <laughs> Good morning again. It is May the 27th of 2023, and today is National Grape Popsicle Day. Peel me a grape. Crush me some ice. Nice. Skin me a peach. Save the fuzz for my pillow. Oh, wow. Talk to me nice. Talk to me. Wow. How smooth was that? <laughs> National Grape Popsicle Day. And this sexy lady wants to have a grape peeled. <laughs> Don't have no idea what that's about. It sounds naughty. But anyway. Naughty is what we do. National Great Popsicle Day. And this is brought to you 
from the pages of the nationalcalendar.com. This is kind of like a bullshit national day. But, you know, it's also Memorial Day weekend, kind of the extra official start of the summer. So, yeah, sure, popsicles, grape, we'll go with it. Plus, we got to hear the sultry voice of Diane Krall to start it off. Hopefully, we'll get some, some better music later on. Speaking of better music, I came back and I had some cool riffs in my head and was able to put them down. Hopefully, we'll be able to play them someday on this podcast, which is always the plan. Like I did on the last podcast, I sang, I played. <laughs> the emails, oh my gosh, they were wonderful. You can imagine. I think I won't have any uh, repeat listeners anytime soon if people listen to that one. Check it out, episode 11 of the Tommy and Adam Hard to Name podcast available on uh, Apple Podcast app, Spotify, and the rest. All right, National Great Popsicle Day. If you notice, this National Day is so boring, I've, I haven't been able to come up with anything yet. <laughs> That's why I'm lingering. Lingerie. No, lingering. Women's clothing that includes at least undergarments, the sleepwear, and lightweight robes. <laughs> Lingerie. Lingering, as in delaying. I know what lingerie is. <laughs> Lingerie, whatever. I know what it is. And I have lingered too long, so let's just go with National Great Popsicle Day. Yeah, back in the early 1900s, some kid called Frank Epperson was outside of his porch in San Fran, California. He was mixing water and powder-flavored shit, and he was trying to make soda. Legend has it he got distracted like any 11-year-old, and he went back inside, and he left the little stirring stick inside of this little uh, mix he had made. That evening, it became very cold. And his small concoction froze on the stirring stick. He must have kept them to himself because in 1922, he introduced his treat at the Fireman's Ball, where it was a huge success. A year later, he went to an amusement park, found the same kind of success, and so he decided to patent it. He applied for the patent in 1924, initially known as the Epsicle Ice Pop. He renamed it the Popsicle. Thus, the great American treat, the Popsicle, was born. Now that I think about it, my granddaughters love Popsicles, but more the uh, the ones that don't have the stick, the ones that come in like in the little plastic bags. In Puerto Rico, they're known as esquimalitos, uh, little Eskimos. Last week, while my uh, wife was on one of her uh, garden binges and we had to work outside, <laughs> that's why probably I didn't do a podcast last week. Uh, my granddaughter was over, and she would bring some popsicles over, and I would squeeze in two or three of them. Uh, I think it was lemons, the one that I had. I'm not sure. I didn't have any grape ones. But that's the cool thing about them. They could come in different flavors, fruit flavors, uh, chocolate flavor, things like that. So they're, so they're really not that bad. You know what fucked is? How are you going to enjoy uh, National Grape Popsicle Day? Well, just go ahead and pull out a grape popsicle. Take a picture and hashtag yourself as you uh, inject yourself with all that sugary goodness, which is a popsicle. And you know what? Be a rebel. It doesn't have to be a great popsicle. It could be anything. It'd be like those, uh, since it's Memorial Day weekend, you could do those one of those red, white, and blue ones that they like selling on the 4th of July. I think they're called bomb pops, but still, they're popsicles. And if National Great Popsicle Day wasn't boring enough, it's also National Cellophane Tape Day. Jesus. Oh. Forget this and let's go to the meat and potatoes of this podcast. 
That, ladies and gentlemen, is Cream. From the era that born a lot of the great music that we love here on the Tommy and Adam Hard to Name podcast. Mm, I've been waiting so long. Yeah, the sunshine of your love. <laughs> 1968. Listen to this. Listen. Oh, Mr. Ed Clapton. Yeah, Jack Bruce. Oof, and Ginger Baker. What a trio. All right, 1968. Let's get on track here. <laughs> May the 22nd of 1968. Cream earned their first gold record with their second album, Disraeli Gears, which includes this tune right here, Sunshine of Your Love which was number five in the U.S. charts and 25 in the U.K. charts, which is kind of strange. It also had strange brew and tales of brave Ulysses. If you survived and you suffered through that national day that I just did, I think I just went ahead and rewarded you. Cream, what can I say about Cream? Other than that they were totally dysfunctional, <laughs> at least personality-wise, but musically they were so in sync. Here's a project, three dudes getting together, playing some wonderful music and complete conflicting personalities you know some things are just meant to be the rock gods really smiled on this trio and speaking of the rock gods this week on my memories oh gosh a clip popped up from our first season when jeremy had a birthday and uh Beatmaster Bocephus, one of the rock gods that used to make appearances here on the Tommy and Adam Hard to Name podcast, available on Spotify and uh, Apple Podcast app, etc., where he was wishing Jeremy a happy birthday. So, yeah, the, the rock gods actually are responsible also for this podcast. <laughs> when we were a trio, when it was uh, Adam and uh, my son and myself. And by the way, if you haven't heard any of their origin stories, check them out in previous podcasts as well. And I want to take a moment to uh, salute my son and happy birthday to him. Uh, I love you, son. You're also welcome back on this podcast whenever, whenever you want. <laughs> I need to focus here now. <laughs> we went from cream to the podcast to my son. <laughs> Today I'm having concentration problems. Now that I remember, I was at my son's birthday party and got to see Lewis, a... Uh, Faithful listener of the Time and Adam Hard to Name podcast, <laughs> I think. Oh, we'll just go with that. Also pleasantly ran into another friend of mine that I've met through Jeremy's family, his family by marriage, Stephen. And uh, well, Steve, he went ahead and asked about this podcast. Don't know if he listens, but I want to shout out to Steve. He's a really cool dude. And these are the Guess Who. Who? That's right, baby. The Guess Who. 
from back in 1969, oh 69, these eyes, yeah, these eyes, cry every night for you, these arms, that's a pretty laid back song, takes me back to my younger years, I mean way younger years, but still, mm. The Guess Who out of Canada. Everybody really knows about The Guess Who due to uh, their really big hit American Woman. It's also covered by one of my favorite musicians, Mr. Lenny Kravitz. And take note that I said musician, not rock star, even though he is a bona fide rock star. A musician is a guy who plays their instruments, by the way. And so you won't get your panties all rolled up and whatnot. It's also females as well. So it's when I say guys, it's universal. Nobody wants their panties all rolled up. When I go buy my lotions at Victoria's Secrets, I can see those damn things are expensive. Anyway, the guess who? Still riding high on the success of uh, the song I just mentioned. Canadian rock giants, the guess who, baby, made their U.S. television debut on American Bandstand, where they performed the song you just heard, These Eyes. Now, for rock and roll fans... That are maybe, I want to say, about five, ten years older than I am. They'll remember very clearly the Guess Who. They did have Randy Bachman, you know, Randy Bachman from BTO, Bachman Turner Overdrive, taking care of business, Randy Bachman. Well, like I always try to do, I try to always find something uh, out of the ordinary when it comes to uh, these rock bands, anything in their history. In this case, I was looking up their name. The Guess Who's name. How'd they come up with that? So back in 1965, an incredible year, by the way. That was the year that I was born. <laughs> well, they had a, uh, a single out. It was called uh, Shaking All Over. And it was a cover by a band called Johnny Kidd and the Pirates. And it was this band's, the Guess Who's first major hit, reaching number one in Canada, number 22 in the United States, and number 27 in Australia. Now, their Canadian label, which was Quality Records, disguised this particular single and credited it to Guess who? Now, if you pay attention to uh, rock radio and also rock history, you know there's a great band that's called The Who. We've discussed them here many times. It was a record label publicity stunt to generate speculation that this song had been made by a more famous band, that of the British Invasion, working incognito, working under an assumed name, as a wink-wink situation where fool the fans, stir them up, create this fervor, and then hopefully when they unwrap who the hell did the song, they won't be pissed and run away from it, which in this case they were not. The Guess Who had some incredible success. To this day, 50 years later, we're still listening to songs by The Guess Who. And keep in mind, there was no freaking social media back then either, so there was, there was no need for Twitter or whoever else put down that verified blue check mark. So everybody go, oh, this truly is The Who, but maybe it's not. It's The Guess Who. I don't fucking know. And this is Motley Crue and their cover of the Stones. Street fighting man, baby. Yeah. Yeah, I like crew. I like crew covers. I really do. I think they do a really good job. You don't hear this a lot. You hear a lot of jailhouse rock. You hear a lot of uh, uh, 
Anarchy in the UK. But this is a really good job that they did with this particular cover from the Rolling Stones. Check it out if you got a chance. But yeah, 1971, May the 22nd of 1971, the Rolling Stones. The Sticky Fingers album with uh, the working zipper on the front cover hit. Number one in the U.S. And the reason I played the uh, crew cover of a Rolling Stones hit is because Motley Crue used a photograph very similar to the photograph on this album cover, the Sticky Fingers album cover for the Motley Crue record, Too Fast for Love, which was their debut album. You can look it up. Tell me that I'm wrong. Then send me an email at TommyNAdam at gmail.com. So yeah, let's get back to Sticky Fingers. Sticky Fingers was released on April the 23rd of 1971. And there's something really cool about this is because Sticky Fingers was the first album that the Stones put out in 1970. And it was also their first release on uh, their new label. It was called Rolling Stone Records. When they made this album, they intently uh, chose the way they made their songs and wrote their songs for the U.S. market, for the American crowd. That's why you're going to hear a lot of heavy blues riffs on this album. Case in point, a very cool song. Can you hear me knocking? Let me see if I got some of that. Oh, yeah. Can you hear me knocking? Yeah, I love it. Makes you move immediately. Enough of that. If not, I'm going to keep being distracted. Also, this record contained Brown Sugar. That's still on major rotation on uh, classic rock radio. Also, Wild Horses, which has been, we've said this, I don't know how many times, has been covered by many artists. Rolling Stone albums previously released were released under Decca Records, and they were, their asses were left out hanging because they were going through some uh, major tax problems due to uh, some problems with their lawyer. Anyway, long story short is Rolling Stone still owed Decca a final single to complete their contractual obligations. And them being pissed off, <laughs> they uh, presented the company with an unreleasable song called Cocksucker Blues. <laughs> Anyway, Decca responds by reissuing the Street Fighting Man, this uh, song that we just heard covered by Motley Crue. <laughs> After that, the Stones were freed from the constraints of uh, their final deal with, with Decca, and they were able to strike out on their own. Let's get funky! If you haven't figured that out, baby, that's Earth, Wind, and Fire live back in the 70s. And this is Shining Star. It's always good to mix it up a little bit. We never.
never play anything from Earth, Wind, and Fire, which is a fantastic group, you know, comparatively to uh, uh, the era of Chicago. I think I spoke about that a few podcasts ago. You know, I saw them a couple of years ago. I was mega entertained. They're a very famous group, and this song in particular, Shining Star, is a song that, uh, according to what I found out in the research, celebrates their clean living. In other words, you could be a shining star, and you don't have to be doing drugs and whatnot. Now, again, if that's true or not, I really don't know. Anyway, the bottom line, that's what this song is about. And this is their only number one song. If you've been around a little bit and you have that mentality of where you could, again, like I said at the beginning of this segment, here of mixing it up, you'll know that uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire has some other great hits, which are uh, September, uh, let me see, Fantasy, ah, 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 ah. you know, anyway, Fantasy that features a lot of the uh, vocal ranges that Philip Bailey, one of the singers, had. And, uh, you know, Boogie Wonderland. Boogie Wonderland. Since I fucked that up, let me, let me play a little bit of Boogie Wonderland. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. Boogie Wonderland. I love that song. <laughs> How did that not hit number one? I have no idea. But yeah, and you know, here's another thing. For all you guys who are thinking, oh, that's just some disco crap. No, it's not. It is absolutely not. This is a full band with horns, guitar, bass, keyboards, the whole deal, singers. They're making their own music. They're not letting a computer do it. They're not doing any of that other stuff. They're actually artists who are performing. So yeah, take that. And give yourself a chance. Give your hearing senses a chance. And check out some Earth, Wind, and Fire this week. Why not? Settle down, class. It's this week's Rockin' Higher Education Lesson on Led Zeppelin 101 with Professor Adam Lee Tate. This week in Zeppelin 101, this is Bonzo's Montreux. record actually I think I'm not I'm not 100% sure but I think that was the first uh, Zeppelin compilation record uh, doesn't have any major hits on it doesn't have any hits I think at all Zeppelin wasn't a hit band it goes to show you the depth of this group where they take the time to record these uh, 
these instrumentals and they're just phenomenal. John Bonham seems to have, like, you know, octopus hands. It's incredible. Yeah. Zeppelin 101. 1976. May the 26th of 1976. Mm. Every single week, it's like I just want to keep playing Zeppelin. But let me get back at the task at hand. Drummer John Bonham launched into a drunken verbal assault (laughs) of first-class passengers on a transatlantic British Airways flight. (laughs) Among those first-class passengers were actor Telly Savalas of Kojak, if you don't remember that, and Dudley Moore. And if you don't remember Dudley Moore, he was the one that was in the movie 10. Uh, that was the movie that he was in with uh, Bo Derek, and we all got to see Bo Derek's kazumbas bouncing up and down in slow motion as she ran across the beach. Hooters. <laughs> Hooters, rock and roll, drunkenness. Yes, it all comes together on the Tommy and Adam Hard Today podcast, available on Spotify and uh, Apple Podcast app. Given that this was 1976, America was celebrating. It's bicentennial. All kinds of great things were happening. And there wasn't this much uh, or any political correctness and shit like that. This is what was expected of our rock stars. And you know what? If there's anybody who embodied any of this, of uh, rock and roll hooliganism, you know, that was John Bonham. I could just imagine him going on his soliloquy (laughs) about first-class passengers and those assholes were there. This is what people wanted to read about in the rock and roll magazines. I know I did. Actually, I just found out about this uh, on this uh, podcast itself. I was doing the research for my Zeppelin class, you know, since the professor isn't here. There was no giving praises to other people, other bands, other groups, other societies. It was about them. It was about their ego. It's about how they felt, how they really felt inside. No mincing words. These were truly blue-collared people that had made a ton of money with their musical talents, and they didn't want to change one bit, especially John Bonham. I mean, the man died drunk. Money didn't change this guy. He was going to let those other first-class passengers know exactly what he thought about him. <laughs> what a shame <laughs> that cell phones and cameras and shit like that didn't exist back then. Also, social media. This would have been so awesome to watch. Plus, you got to remember, before rock and roll and popular music and the rest of the shit became so goody two-shoes and everybody loves each other and everything else, rock and roll and rock and roll music was anti-establishment. It was heathenistic. It was sinful. It was vile. And this is the kind of stuff that gave the haters their justification to keep waving that anti-rock and roll flag. This is what made it cool. Oh, those devil worshippers of Led Zeppelin. Now they're reaching out and yelling at innocent passengers. First class passengers. Come on, get the hell out of here with that. No wonder Zeppelin had their own airplane.
That's a pop classic. We built the city. Yeah. Starship. Wow. <laughs> you must be asking yourself, Tommy's played some funk. Then he goes and plays this pop masterpiece. And I'd say it is a masterpiece. I mean, it's a great piece of pop music from a modern version of a 1960s crazy motherfucking group, which was Jefferson Airplane. And in 1977, May the 23rd of 1977, still Jefferson Airplane, they were barred from giving a free concert in San Francisco. The city had just passed a resolution banning electronic instruments. Which is completely weird since not only is San Francisco known for its liberal mindedness, you know, with the gay movement and the whole thing, but also they were known for all the flower power and the free love and all that shit back in the 1960s. And the music scene was a big part of that, spearheaded in part by Jefferson Airplane. Before there was Metallica in San Francisco, there was Jefferson Airplane. Anyway, not to bore you guys too much on this, they later wrote, We Built the City. And it was kind of a dig to San Francisco. And on top of that, it topped the Billboard Hot 100 in November 1985. This song was like their vengeance. So take that, San Francisco. And speaking of San Francisco, next month, I believe, is Pride Month. So uh, happy Pride Month ahead of time. Because this podcast will probably come out (laughs) next month anyway. Plus the Democrats are are still in office, so celebrate away. We don't know what will happen when the Republicans win again. The only thing I worry about is that they take away Juneteenth. That's coming up as well. And speaking of Juneteenth, shall we? Nah, bro, you, you see me, bro? I'm hard, bro. I'm hard, bro. I'm hard, bro. I'm hard, bro. Let's get started. It's the Tommy and Adam Hard to name podcast historic hip hop rapizzle moment. Yo, we gonna do something special. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. I need that energy from the front to the back. Let's work, y'all. Like, ready or not? Uh huh. Here I come. Uh huh. You can't hide. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. I'm gonna find you and take it slowly. Come on. Ready, ready or not? Uh-huh. Here I come. Uh huh. You can't hide. Let's go, y'all. I'm gonna find you and make Hands you up in the air like this. Now that I'm escaped, sleep. Those are the great Fugees. Man, so much promise with this group, and it just faded away. But you know, it did give us Wyclef Jean. I'm a big Wyclef Jean fan. Uh, not that big, but I'm big. I have a couple of his records. Uh, being my, my favorite one is uh, the one that he sees with Mary J. Blige, which is 911. And Lauren Hill, you know, what an incredible voice in Lauren Hill. The other guy, yeah, he's all right, he'd be all right. Now, uh, yeah, <laughs> those were the foodies. And just in case so they won't feel dissed, the other guy's name is Praz. <laughs> Disizzled. 
on May the 25th, 1996, powered and driven by their super cover of Killing Me Softly, the Fuji's hit number one in America with their second album to score. This just took off. This record was absolutely out of control. You couldn't turn around. You couldn't open a drawer in your kitchen without the Fuji's popping out. I think on a previous podcast I had shared with Adam that break, that bridge in the record when Lauren Hill just takes off and harmonizes on Killing Me Softly. Let me find that real quick. I want to see if I could find it live. Killing Me Softly live. Oh, there it is. There it is. Hold up. Let me find the part. It shouldn't be that hard. Okay, okay, here it is. Let me back it up real quick and hit it. That's what makes it so cool to me. I love it. I love Lauren Hill's voice. Mm. What makes the Fuji special to me, Wycliffe is a true musician. He plays his own instruments, and he did fuse it with the hip-hop sound. On this particular uh, recording, this was off of uh, Jules Holland, and you could see the entire band do their thing with Wycliffe Jean on the keyboards on that. Unfortunately, and like in many cases, when groups become this huge, there's going to be professional and personal problems, and it's just going to get out of hand. And They're going to eventually break up, which, you know, the Fugees did. So the score ended up being their final record. So they only really put out two records, and they went their separate ways. Wycliffe and Lauren Hill being the ones that uh, broke out the most after the group disbanded. Pras, not so... Uh, not so much. Now, prior to Fuji's fame, Lauren Hill had been in the Whoopi Goldberg movie uh, Sister Act. Yeah. Now, let's see what the Urban Dictionary says about breakups. First definition here says breakup, the most probable outcome after your girlfriend finds you playing hide the sausage with her sister. I would say that's not the case here with the Fuji's. I wouldn't think at least. Now, let's go to the hip hop rap hizzle. I think this is where we'll find it. Says here, breakup, and in parentheses, group. And it defines it as, it's what happens when hatin' on each other fucks up a good thing. <laughs> and hatin' is uh, spelled H-A-T-I-N, and thang is spelled T-H-A-N-G. So yeah, this is legit. Legit and simple. The application goes something like this. Yo, you see how many likes young player got on his gram post after he left them cool killers? And the response was, yo, that's what got them broke up. Ghoulish Doug was hating, and now they gonna stop making all that money. <laughs> and you know, that this specific case is probably directed to the, to the hip-hop community since it's the gram instead of the Instagram <laughs> It applies across the board universally to all music, to all groups, to all genres. You got people that just can't handle each other once they become super famous and they end up breaking up and they lose all that money. But then, you know, again, and they get back together and they make money again. <laughs> 
It was also Lauren Hill's birthday on May the 25th. She was born in 1975. She's 48. Happy birthday, uh, Lauren Hill. And this is Metallica's Until It Sleeps. Where do I take this pain of mine? I want birds to ease right by my side. So tear me open, pour me out. There's things inside that scream and shout. And the pain still hates me. So hold it. Until it sleeps. Whoa. What a fantastic song. Do I need to say that I love it? I don't think so. It's pretty obvious. Metallica. Oof. I was really trying to restrain myself, but I just couldn't take it. I had, I had to sing along. I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not. It's my podcast. I can do whatever I want. Let me breathe. Okay, good. 1996, May the 23rd of 1996. The video for Metallica's Until It Sleeps debuted showing the band with short hair for the first time. You know, and you would think that wasn't the uproar, but it was. Metallica members in short hair. I don't get it. Because the video was a very, um, it was a very cool video. Inspired by Hieronymus Bosch painting from the 1500s that was titled The Garden of Early Delights. It was a uh, depiction of them or anyone going, because you can relate to it, going from paradise to hell to damnation. It, very biblical. And that's very cool. Especially when it comes from Metallica. It was, it was a little spiritual. But no. The fans are upset because these guys cut their hair. Shit. That's just fans that are called the purists or the... Mm, the assholes. Uh, no. Dickheads. That want their bands to... Or their, you know, their pop culture heroes to stay a certain way. In this case, their rock heroes had sold out. Ooh. You know, people have to evolve. That's just part of life. It's just like this podcast. I've evolved along with it without Adam. <laughs> By the way, the Tommy that I'm hard to name podcast is available on Apple Podcast app. Now let me turn that distortion down. Two thousand eleven. 
May the 25th of 2011. Chris Cornell of Soundgarden, Temple of the Dog, Audio Slave, solo singer extraordinaire, great rock and roll voice, was laid to rest at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery in Los Angeles. Mourners at his funeral included Dave Navarro, Lars Ulrich, James Hetfield, Tom Morello, his Soundgarden bandmates Matt Cameron and Kim Thale. Chris Cornell had taken his life on May the 18th. Continue resting in peace, dude. Cause it doesn't remind me of anything. This weekend. Oh yeah. Kiss. Those are the right chords, baby. But not the right voice. It's Van Halen covering Firehouse. that pickup that's Van Halen covering Firehouse that's a rare gem plus if it's David Lee Roth singing it I, I could get it wrong as well <laughs> yeah Gene Simmons on uh, May the 22nd is it well this is past week actually uh, Gene Simmons wrote on classicrock.com which is a part of uh, Louder and Metal Hammer he wrote an article about Eddie Van Halen and it was titled "The Eddie Van Halen That I Knew" by Gene Simmons. I'm here. I'm hearing myself a little. Okay, here we go. That's what it was. Let me shut off that other mic. There you go. <coughs> I was hearing myself a little hollow. I think I left it on when I butchered that uh, audio slave song a little while ago. Which, by the way, I hope you liked it. And if you didn't, it's going to stay anyway. Let's get back to this week in history. And even though it's current, we have to hit a little history where, yeah, uh, Gene Simmons was the one that actually noticed Van Halen. 
And again, if you want to go ahead and read this article, I'll post a link to the uh, description of this podcast and you can check it out for yourself. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But yeah, Gene Simmons is responsible for discovering Van Halen at that point, or at least that's how we thought it went. Because this article starts out with our millennials need to know about the most important musician since Jimi Hendrix. Gene Simmons on the late Eddie Van Halen. And that was a quote, by the way. Sometimes I wonder if Gene Simmons is the most quoted rock star out there. Seems like everything that involves Gene Simmons is some kind of a quote. He starts off by saying how sad he became when he found out that Eddie Van Halen had passed, like many of us that are fans and felt when Eddie Van Halen passed. But in this case, this is a musician that knew another musician, so it's a peer-to-peer kind of sadness. He praises him by saying that he played so effortlessly when he knew damn well it wasn't. There was a lot of skill. There was a lot of technique. There was an overabundance of talent when it came to Eddie Van Halen's playing. And if you do play an instrument, it doesn't matter what instrument you play. It takes a while. It takes a lot of practice to maybe get semi-good. We all know that's not the case of Eddie Van Halen because he was great. And even though he was great at the guitar, Eddie Van Halen was a classically trained pianist. There's this quote, again, by Gene that says, I first met Eddie on the night that I saw Van Halen playing at the Starwood in 1976. I've been credited as the man that discovered Van Halen. No, I didn't. I did no such thing. I just happened to be there and witnessed their greatness at what was still a very early stage. End quote. Being both a Kiss and a Van Halen fan, I'm super familiar with the story. If you go back a couple of years and hear the pompous, the overbearing Gene Simmons tell the story, he's going to say discovered. He's also going to say that he wanted to change their names to Daddy Longlegs. So the narrative changed to a little bit of solemnity here. And he goes on and he says he tried to sign them and get them under the uh, KISS organization. He takes a jab at Paul Stanley saying he wasn't too interested. Uh, Also, their uh, manager, Bill Auction, who also wasn't interested. And, of course, he he jabs away at both Ace Fraley and uh, Peter Chris, saying that they were too busy making bad decisions in their life to see anything past themselves. But in Gene not signing Van Halen, he was kind of sad. Then, of course, he recognizes that, you know, Warner Brothers, a couple of months later, was able to see the potential, and these guys just took off under their label. Especially what uh, they had done with the Kinks cover of You Really Got Me. Van Halen had become bonafide superstars. The article also goes on to mention things that are historical about Van Halen. But the article also has this poignant reflection on the last meeting that Gene had with Eddie Van Halen. They bumped into each other in Sunset Boulevard and they kind of were happy to see each other since they hadn't seen each other for a while. And Eddie shows them the upper part of his mouth where his palate should be. And it was missing because he had cancer and, you know, and they just interchange words. And you got to read the rest of this article. It's really good. You got to check it out for yourself. It's, you know, there's a human part. There's a human connection when you read it. That's, you know, that's why I thought I'd make it a part of this week's KISS segment. How's that? Yeah. Born on this day, rock and roll birthdays. And that, that's right, it's Mr. Claus Main. 
or is it Klaus Mane? From German super rock band, the Scorpions. That's how you say it. The Scorpions. Woof, man. He was born May the 25th of 1948. Great singer, super recognizable. Rock and roll pipes this guy has. Wow. The Scorpions actually hold the record for the best-selling single by any German artist or band. That would include more than David Hasselhoff, which is a big fucking deal in Germany. Don't know why, but that's the way it goes. The Scorpions, wow. I've had a few of their records. Blackout, it's a pretty good record. Uh, <laughs> I like their record covers. <laughs> They're very sexist. <laughs> but other than that, they make some great, great rock and roll. Blackout. 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 Rock you like a hurricane. Still loving you. Always somewhere. Wind of change. Who doesn't know that song? Which was a humongous power ballad. Probably one of the biggest ones to date. Probably just as recognizable as Poison's Every Rose Has Its Thorn. Uh, you know, you could debate me on that. I, that's what I say. That's what I think. Poisons starts off with that uh that big sigh. <sighs> right? Wind of change starts with that whistling. <laughs> it's something like that. Klaus Main, 75 years old, dude. Happy birthday. And that's Mr. Lenny Kravitz, baby. And always on the run. on the run written by Lenny Kravitz and Mr. Slash check it out yeah Lenny Kravitz born 26 May of 1964 he celebrated a birthday yesterday I bet you he celebrated in a grand fashion man what a talented singer songwriter oh, guitar player oh this guy's just awesome seeked by many seeked by many to collaborate all kinds of genres. This guy's a funk master, a rock master, a ballad master. You name it. Mm. Lenny Kravitz, happy birthday, dude. Actually, I was watching YouTube the other day, and there's a whole thing about Lenny Kravitz's diet down there in some hacienda he has in Brazil. He says, man, get out of here. You know, he is in top physical shape, or at least he seems to be, at least on the outside. He's a dreamy dude. Also uh, recently celebrating a birthday is Stephanie Lynn Nix, a.k.a. you know it's Stevie Nix. Singer, songwriter, fashion diva, I guess, if you want to go with the witch look. But yeah, Lindsay Buckingham and her had a group called Buckingham and Nix. After that, they, uh, you know, joined a little group called Fleetwood Mac. Went on to solo success after that. Also had a great single out with... Uh, the late Tom Petty. Stop dragging my heart around. Here's something you probably don't know about Stevie Nicks since Memorial Day. 
is Monday. Nick started a charity foundation titled Stevie Nick's Band of Soldiers, which is used for the benefit of wounded warriors of military service. Real military service, not the kind that uh, people run around with beards and their pickup trucks and their gigantic flags and uh, play pretend patriot here in the United States. In late 2004, she started visiting veteran hospitals uh, all across the uh, D.C. area. Uh, That would be probably Army and Navy and Air Force. While she was there, she was just determined to leave an object or something for them to have, you know, to look forward to next day. And uh, she decided to purchase a bunch of nano iPods and load them with music and autograph them and give them out to these guys and gals who were actually combat wounded or ill due to actual military service. Again, and not to the crazies who almost joined (laughs) and are running around this country acting the fools, saying those wondrous and original words. Don't tread on me. Don't tread on me. (laughs) Thank you, Stevie Nicks, and uh, happy birthday. Also, celebrating a birthday this past week was uh, Rich Robinson of the Black Crows. Happy birthday to him and to all the listeners of the Tommy and Adam Hard to Name podcast available on Spotify, Apple Podcast app, and the rest of your favorite platforms, ladies and gentlemen, because it's time for... Fashtag! What the frijoles? According to Glamour, Glamour, magazine.com dormant butt syndrome is a thing and you might have it that's right you you can scream all you want you might have it i don't know that's what uh, stop stop it stop it already it's not me it's glamour what yes the magazine pay attention dormant butt syndrome hmm i wonder what that is really let's 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 look into this article see what it says Your butt plays a vital role in how your body functions. Hmm. Usually a butt has a vital role on how my mind functions. It's just a really uh, comedic part of life. (laughs) The butt. And some other (laughs) non-comedic functiones of El Butox. Your glutes are the biggest muscle groups in your body. And keeping them strong supports all of you. And if your butt is weak... (laughs) It can mess with your hips, knees, and back, causing all sorts of pain. Now scientists have... Oh, here we go. It's a science article. Have created a name for the condition. Dormant Butt Syndrome. DBS. According to some experts, well, you know, Adam and me are sort of experts. We're rheumologists on this, but evidently there's some other experts from Ohio State University that say having a weak butt is pretty common and unfortunately is often the root of hip and knee pain. Mm. You know what? Let me scan a little further on this article because it seems like this is going to be a snore. Okay, some bullshit about a personal trainer. You could also test your muscles. You know what? Big butt. While I was perusing through these articles to see what I could find for the What the Frijoles, and I saw butt in the title and thought it was perfect. But actually, it's not. Let's move on. And that, unfortunately, was a hashtag. What the frijoles? And it was going to be a really lame one if I kept going on with that shit. 
It's the Tommy and Adam Hard to Name Podcast. Sound of the Week. Yes, it is. I haven't done a Sound of the Week by myself, I think. Maybe, maybe not. Anyway, as I said at the beginning of the uh, podcast, the Foo Fighters have a new drummer. And that drummer is Josh Freeze. He will be the one touring and also playing with the Foos. Right now, they're doing festivals and warm-up shows, I believe. Josh Freeze is no stranger to top bands. He's uh, toured with Guns N' Roses, Sting, Nine Inch Nails, Weezer, A Perfect Circle, Devo, and others. Devo is the, you know, the one that caught my eye. So you can see his resume is very well-rounded. And usually replacement drummers are not a problem, but you're replacing Taylor Hawkins, who was an integral part of the Foo Fighters. His presence was always known, you know, when it came to Foo Fighters, you immediately thought Taylor Hawkins, in addition to, obviously, Mr. Dave Grohl. All that aside, and I'm sure Josh Freeze is listening to this podcast, buddy, just go in there, do your thing. My philosophy is never go in and try to fill shoes. That's just me because my ego is huge. Just go in there and do it the best way you can and give it your best shot, and I'm sure you'll be fine. But this is also the sound of the week, so let's get to it. I'm going to play you a little clip there of uh, the song I heard off of But Here We Are. That is the title of the new album. And that's the beginning of this track. It's called Show Me How. New Foo Fighters. On the Timing Out of Mars to Name podcast. Yeah, Foo Fighters. Man, this is going to be a very emotional album. Uh, Dave Grohl had just lost his mother on top of uh, having lost Taylor Hawkins in this past year. So I bet this is going to be very introspective. But check it out. Check it out. It's not that hard. It's not that soft. Some melancholy on that voice, on that tone. I like it. I like it a lot. Nice. Hope you go out and listen to it. Play it on your favorite platforms. I know I will, especially since I went to the trouble of actually listening to new music. And, uh, you know, and since this is uh, Sound of the Week, no Sound of the Week is complete without something. Uh, I would say in memory of my friend, Mr. Rattate. I can't provide quality, but I can provide <laughs> consistency. It's the Tommy and Adam Hard to Name Podcast, Sound of the Week. <laughs> yes, it was. Ah, the memories. 
Good times, bad times. On the Tommy and Adam Martin Podcast. Woo! And we're coming to the end of this sucker. Man. Good times, bad times. First up, bad times for Thorntonville, Ohio. And why is that? According to Loudwire on a 17 May, Insane Clown Posse revealed initial lineup for the 2023 Gathering of the Juggalos. Oh, shit. <laughs> Fago will run in the streets of Thorntonville, Ohio. The main act will be, of course, the Insane Clown Posse and Alien Art Farm. Actually, I've seen Alien Art Farm. They opened up for Sugar Ray at uh, Six Flags St. Louis. They were known for that big uh, Michael Jackson cover. Uh, what the hell was it called anyway? They also did a cover of uh, Black Sabbath's Paranoid. They were also in the rock news not too long ago, maybe five or six months ago. Something about the lead singer pulling a, a fan's hand towards his junk. There was a video and everything about it. The lead singer was singing. Some guy put out his hand. He kind of shook his hand. And then at that point, he just pulls it toward his, you know, his thingy. After that, the fan was pulling back his hand. I mean, it was a whole fiasco. So if the ICP picked these guys, I think they picked the right choice for that crowd. And I'll keep saying this. I find the Juggalos fascinating. As a matter of fact, I follow Superhuman, the guy who does the jumping from the third rope move, but on top of pointy and jagged things like barbed wire, Lego, shit like that. It's a freaking train wreck. This is Superhuman TV Show. Today I'll be doing a full flip onto light tubes, barbed wire, pull. This is for the Juggalos and Juggalettes. Do not try this at home, and I hope you like it. Whoop, whoop! Fuck this shit! Whoop, whoop! Fuck my back! There he is right there. I'm positive the Juggalos are going to love it. Mmm. But it won't be a good time for the uh, normal human beings that reside in Thornville, Ohio. As a matter of fact, I'm going to post that link of that video onto the description of this podcast. It'll give you a better understanding of what's coming. Ultimate Classic Rock gives the good times today. And it says Rick Allen says 1984 car crash prepared him for the Florida assault. If you follow the rock news, you knew that Def Leppard drummer Rick Allen had been assaulted in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. In an interview that he provided to Good Morning America, he said that he walked out of his hotel. He saw this dark flash. The next thing he knew, he was on the ground. He had landed on his backside and he continued on, then hit his head on the pavement. Now, this is a one-armed dude. This dirtbag probably thought this was an easy target and he went for it. And that's just my speculation because really they haven't even figured out what the motive of this attack was about. The story goes on to say, and I quote, I reached my hand up into the air as I thought I was going to get attacked again. And I just said, I'm no threat to you, which is very true. He's on the floor. He has one hand. He's older. Rick said that he didn't even think he knew who he was. Rick actually thought about his 1984 accident on New Year's Eve when he lost his left arm in a car accident back in England. Having had that car accident back in 1984 made him absolutely 100% better prepared for the assault in which his life was threatened. 
And how so? He says, I immediately just went to that place of just feeling grateful for the fact that I have an amazing wife and an incredible family. I just started thanking a higher power for the fact that I'm still here. Wow. It goes back to a matter of perspective. In many cases, that's the best thing for you anyway. Because afterwards, you always think that it could have went worse. Well, those are good times, though, for Rick Allen. I'm glad for him, too. Rick Allen is 59 years old. And the guy who assaulted him, uh, Max Edward Hartley, was 19 years old. Here's the best part of the story. This guy, he was charged with two counts of battery, four counts of criminal mischief, and abusing an elderly or disabled adult. <laughs> he pleaded not guilty. <laughs> Ooh, right. You just don't go on the streets assaulting our rock heroes. I'll be doing a follow-up on this one for sure. Boom. And just like that, it's over. Adam, come back, buddy. You're always welcome here. Your seat is awaiting you. Wow. It's Memorial Day weekend. I hope you all have a great weekend or whenever you hear this uh, podcast. As always, I want to thank our legion of listeners, our fans, and whoever else subjects themselves to this podcast. You're welcome. You're welcome. We really appreciate it. Keep in mind, life is not that serious, nor anything else. We have said on this podcast, question everything and don't believe anyone. Do your own research and come up with your own conclusions. Again, search for the keywords, the Tommy and Adam Hard to name podcast. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcast app and RSS podcast and everywhere else. This podcast is on demand and streaming. Activate the notification icon to be notified when we're online. Write a comment and share it with a friend, but mostly with an enemy. I am Tommy Martinez, and today is May the 27th of 2023, and you are listening to the Tommy and Adam Hard to Name Podcast. Remember to always play it often, play it loud, but play it. The Tommy and Adam Hard to Name podcast is produced by Dadakoa Promotions. Yeah, Richard DeCansis. Dadakoa Promotions.